This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAF Manchester, WGHM Nashua. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word life, it means forever and that's a mighty long time, but I'm here to tell you there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Dr. Everything will be alright. Instead of asking them how much of your time is left, ask them how much of your mind, babe. Cause in this life, things are much harder than in the afterworld. In this life, you're on your own. And if the elevator breaks down, go crazy. Punch the highest floor. Mark Trudano retreats and hits Gaudreau with a bit of room. Here's Gaudreau, right in, scores! Johnny Gaudreau goes five hole on Devin Dubnik. It's a power play goal and the Flames take a one nothing lead. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. That is Justin Sullivan working the boards. That is Prince, of course, the late Prince. Rest in peace. Can't believe it's, it's been what, last April he died, man. That's crazy. Almost seven months. But that song is now the goal song for the Minnesota Wild. And on to talk about the Wild with us right now is their beat writer on wild.com, Dan Ryan joining me right now from Minnesota. Mr. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, we got James Patrick Murphy and Dan Ryan. I mean, it's a good Irish show right now. I like it. Well, Dan Ryan, I don't know where you're getting that. Dan Myers. I'm in Norwegian. Oh, Myers. See? You know what? Uh-oh. Well, I still like Norwegians. That's bad staff work. I blame the board op. Yeah. No, it's not the board op. That would be our... Uh, I, I'm going to have to throw him under the bus because he made me look like an idiot. Uh, that would be our man, Michael Russo, from the Star Tribune. He, well, he, it wouldn't, put me, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all to see him play a fastball on me. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he put you as Dan Ryan <laughs> in the email. I said, I said, get, because he was busy. His mother's in town. I, I was trying to get him on for the last couple of days. And uh, he said, hey, give this guy, Dan Ryan, a call. And I said, oh, that's well, outstanding. I'm gonna have to get the payback on him. Now. Yeah, we got we got to set him up somehow, right? We're gonna conspire. We'll figure <laughs> it going. Figure it going, my friend. Well, listen, uh, your Minnesota Wild fall to the Calgary Flames last night there at home. Uh, un- unfortunately for the Calgary Flames, though, they won't be hearing any uh, Johnny Goudreau goal calls for a few weeks. Uh, he goes in and gets surgery today, but. Um, Talk about right now, the last time the Wild played the Bruins compared to where they are right now in your eyes, uh, what's different, what's the same, and w- what needs to happen uh, for them to really get in a groove? Well, I think the biggest difference right now, you know, going into that matchup tomorrow night is, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll admit I haven't followed a ton of Bruins, I'm assuming Tuka Rask is back from injury. 
Uh, oh, yeah. When Minnesota was when Minnesota was there two weeks ago, I mean, they didn't have two Rask. They didn't have their backup either. It was it was Zubat uh, who was in goal, and he was making his first start in I think what two years or something like that in the NHL. And they were able to get three quick ones on him, get him out of the game, and it just it changed the entire course of that action. So um, you know, I would expect that you know with with Boston having Zubat back, it's going to be a a much closer game this time around. Yeah, but I want to get your take. Uh, I mean, I look back at that team. We had we had Tim Shallow from the Bruins on earlier in the show, and he was talking about the Wild and just uh, how he felt they're pretty, you know, complete, balanced team. Um, got a lot of speed as well. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux comes and, and takes over the reins as coach. Uh, how much has he tried to really take advantage of that speed that the Wild have in terms of his system? Well, it's definitely one of the things that, or uh, one, one of the aspects of this team that he's really proud of, and and certainly there's an adjustment period right now. You can see it just in in the consistency of the Wild game, or should I say, the inconsistency. Uh, you know, the last road trip they played, as you said last night, they lost to Calgary one nothing. Uh, before that, they come off a three game road trip. They, they went into Pittsburgh last week, a place you know as Bruins fans know very well, it's a very tough place to go into. A uh, very good 4-2 win there last Thursday. And then they go to Philadelphia, who got shellacked the night before in Toronto, playing the second half of back-to-back. Uh, you think the Wild are going to go into Philly and get an easy win there, and they just laid an egg. And mm-hmm. it was very frustrating to Boudreaux. They go uh, to Ottawa the next night on the second half of back-to-back themselves, um, You know, playing the second time in about 17 hours, and they go into Ottawa and get a win. It's you never know what you're getting from this team uh, really on a nightly basis right now. I think that's been kind of the, the M.O. here so far. Uh, they're coming home. You think coming off a, a winning road trip against a Calgary team that was really struggling, got a chance to get a win last night, and it just wasn't there. So uh, inconsistency right now, I think, has been the main, the main thing out of this group. But you're starting to see uh, some of the adjustments that Coach Boudreaux is trying to make in terms of systems and things like that, utilizing that speed, uh, trying to to make this team uh, play a heavier game, which is really not in their DNA. It hasn't been in the past five years. And I think that's been the biggest thing so far, the biggest adjustment that we've seen with Bruce Boudreaux at the helm. Um, you know, you mentioned that they, you know, they come off the road there. They're playing a struggling Flames team, and you look at it on paper and say they should win this game. I was saying this to, to start the show off with my producer here with Sully. Um, you know, that's a trend, not just in hockey. I mean, we see it so often in sports where a team comes back from a long road trip and first home game back, uh, specifically, at least in the first period, they're very flat. And, you know, it, it's something that continues to happen over time, and we can't we can't seem to find any scientific explanation for it or, or any, any stats uh, that show how a team battles against that. But I wonder... Is is that a problem the Wilds have had in the past, and and would that be maybe an explanation there? The Wild traditionally have have really been a, a very good home team, so I think it was a little bit of a surprise. And, and as I said, especially you look at the opponent in Calgary, and just really, really, really. I mean, they they lost four in a row. Yeah, they're a mess. Um, and, and you know now they're in, in a even bigger mess, and. Uh, but, you know, they, they've been so good at home over the years. And to me, they, they came out last night and, uh, you know, the, the first time through the lines, first, you know, 
three, four minutes of that game, they really owned these guys, and they couldn't get it in. I mean, Eric Stahl had two golden opportunities to, uh, you know, get a scoring chance there on the first shift, didn't get it in. Uh, Calgary kind of wanted the storm, and then after that, they just played their game. They got the power play goal there from Goudreau, and Minnesota couldn't get even. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, phenomenon in sports for sure. Listen, a guy that uh, Schaller pointed out that he always keeps an eye on, he grew up playing against him and with him a little in the New England area here is uh, Charlie Coyle. Um, and he seems to, I mean, he scored when the, the Bruins hosted the Wild in Boston in that Wild win, uh, and he seems to be finding a, a really uh, solid spot in the lineup there for the Wild, huh? He's uh, getting big minutes this year, which is nice to see. There's so much talent. Uh, within his game, he's got the size, he's got the ability to skate, and and he's, he's playing up there right now with Eric Stahl and you know Nita Ryder primarily on that first line, so he's getting a chance. The one thing that, that's with him that we're kind of seeing with the whole team is he just needs to build more of a consistency in his game, and, and Charlie Coyle said that himself coming into the season. The one thing he wanted to do was play more consistently. He'll see stretches of his game where he's the best player on the ice, uh, he literally is able to take games over with his size and his ability, and then for a six or seven game stretch, he'll completely disappear. Um, we've seen that a little bit. It's been a little bit of an issue, I think, so far this year. He's starting to even those things out a little more, but certainly in the wild believe this, they, they signed him to a long-term deal a couple of years ago. They think the world of him, and he has a chance to be a really special player. For sure, and you mentioned Eric Stahl there, and man, he seems to have uh, found uh, the fountain of youth again there, huh? 13 points, 5 goals, 8 assists, uh, obviously some hard, hard years down the, the end of his uh, Carolina line, and then uh, when he got traded to the Rangers, didn't do much at all either, and some people were wondering, was this it? But I mean, right now he leads the team uh, with 13 points. What's been the key for him to uh, find his game of there? Is it just a change of scenery, you think? I think the change of scenery is one thing, and another thing is you look at uh, you know the, the talent that Carolina was putting around him in his later years. I mean, the uh, the lockout shortened year, uh, you know, three four years ago, he was actually he had a very good year, and the year after that, he came back and I think he had another pretty good year. And then you look at the talent around him; it, it, it didn't put anybody around him. Mm-hmm. And in one of the guys when they when they really tried to make a sell to him over the summer that got a hold of him, and I think Eric Stahl uh, liked the idea of playing with a guy like Zach Greenfield, one of the better players in the NHL. Uh, there's a lot of young talent here. There's more talent on this wild roster uh, than he had with Carolina. Maybe going back to you know when they were competing for Stanley Cup back then, you know, a decade ago, and has shown a ton of confidence in me. He's got him in all aspects of the game right now. He's on the wild stop power plays, killing penalties, and he looks reborn here. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, another guy I look at, uh, I want to ask you about, because the Bruins had been reportedly interested in him at least at two trade deadlines in the last few years, was Chris Stewart. Uh, and the Wild bring him in. Obviously, this is a guy that could be, a, a, he's got that potential to be a power forward type but he just seems to you, – you've been mentioning inconsistency, and that, to me, defines his career so far. Uh, what are the Wild hoping for from him? How are they trying to help him find his game and, and keep it at a consistent level? Well, the Wild traded for him at the trade deadline. I mean, I, li- I literally remember this two years ago. Uh, a bunch of us were down in the media workroom on trade deadline day, 
and we were writing stories about it. I forget who the other guy was they traded for that year, just writing that story, thinking the deadline's done. And literally two minutes before the trade deadline comes, hey, the Wilds is trading for Chris Stewart. And it was kind of a surprise, but, you know, I know, uh, you know, general manager Chuck Fletcher has a relationship with the GM up there in Buffalo. They've made several deals, including uh, Jason Pominville, you know, through the years. They brought him in. They gave him a second-round pick for really what amounted to about a half a season of work. And while he didn't, he wasn't a huge standout, he really earned the respect of a lot of the veterans in the wild locker room. And he ended up going to Anaheim last year. And one of the main reasons they brought him in this summer Obviously, it was the Bruce Boudreau uh, connection there. Bruce was in Anaheim last year with Chris. Really enjoyed working with him there, and Bruce went to bat for him. And Chuck, uh, they were they were prepared to you know, sign Eric Stahl on July 1st and be done with it. And Bruce really went to bat for Chris Stewart. Wanted a guy, a veteran guy uh, with some size to help establish that area of the game, but to also kind of explain and be that go-between with a new system and, you know, he, he's really been kind of boomer bust. He had a, a game earlier this year where he had a Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, he looked great. Uh, game slipped there a little bit uh, last week on the road trip. We've seen on uh, the last couple of games, he started to bring that physical element back. He had five or six hits uh, two games ago in Ottawa. And as long as he's doing that part, if he's, if he's playing a physical game, uh, it seems like he's one of those guys where the rest of his game will just come along with it. Yeah, you know, I've always, I've kind of kept an eye on him too. I mean, I love his style. It, sometimes I wonder, you know, and it was interesting. We had, we have um, the head coach of a local team here in the ECHL, the Manchester Monarchs, Rich Seeley, on a lot, and he was, he, him and I were discussing a player by the name of Joey Diamond, who plays for him right now. Um, similar style, not as big as Chris by any means, but similar style, rough and tumble, and is gonna is not afraid of anyone. Is gonna. You know, use that grit there. But he said one of the downfalls of, of Diamond sometimes is he's just one of those plays. If he sees red, he's going. And sometimes the the penalties are warranted and are okay, but sometimes they really hurt. Is that sometimes an issue with Stewart as well? Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, – I think it was definitely earlier in his career. I okay. think I'm here. As he's gotten older – really start to kind of understand his role a little more. And he knows here that uh, right now he's a fourth-line guy playing the right wing on the fourth line. But, you know, Bruce has enough confidence in him to know that in a pinch, if there's an injury, he can slide up and down the lineup. He certainly has the skill as a guy who's scored some points in this league, uh, you know, to play a top six minutes if he needs them to. But right now I think, you know, and, and what the Wild have really liked what they've gotten uh, out of Chris Stewart so far this season and what they got from him in his first tenure here two years ago. Veteran guy, as you said, kind of rough and tumble, who just understands the role. I hear you, my friend. Well, listen, uh, keep up the great work there, and I, I promise I'll get the name right next time. I, I still <laughs> like you, even though you're not an Irishman, all right? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> all right. You too, my friend. Keep it up. And uh, that is, uh, we are not going to get it wrong this time, are we? He's, Dan Myers of Wild.com. Check him out there, and you can check him out on Twitter at one Dan Myers with the D and the M capitalized. Good photo shot of him and uh, Bruce Boudreaux there as his profile pick. And this was the, uh, the one of the songs. I'm sure they still play it. I, I remember going to Wild Game and hearing this. A cool, cool song. And Minnesota is such a great hockey culture. One of the things, Sully, too, quickly before we cut to break, it's really cool when you go see a game out there in the quarter. Yeah, uh, going around where the concessions are and everything, they've got the jersey 
in a plaque, they have every single high school hockey team jersey in plaques going That's around. awesome. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I mean, high school talk, hockey yeah, is talk about, insane. Talk isn't? about a culture. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. really cool to see. So that's why they call themselves the state of hockey, and uh, this is what they play at all wild games. So we will be back here to talk more Bruins Wild with Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Start with Friday Night Lights every Friday from 6 to 11 and end it with the New Hampshire Sports Page on Saturday mornings at 9. All right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The blast from Pasternak and Domingue never saw it. It's 2-0 Boston. Marshan with a sweet, soft, flat feed and Pasternak shows the one-timer. Well, you know, I think you just uh, try to win every game and sometimes you win more than you lose. And that's been the case lately. So uh, <clears throat> it's been good. We've been playing good hockey and I feel good. So. Uh, I think everybody has contributed into our success, and, and you know, uh, I'm just riding along with the boys, I guess. Ah, oh, the Bruins are on the sunny side of the street lately, and they're on the road as well, and in Minnesota right now. We go right back there. We've been there a lot today. We were there at Tim Schaller earlier, and then uh, Dan Myers of Wild.com in the last segment. And now Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald comes on to give us the latest on the Boston Bruins as they prepare for their tilt with the Wild tomorrow night. Steve, how you doing, my friend? Steve? Mm, think we might have lost him. We will get him back. He must have been on the wrong side of the street. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Well, maybe he's borrowing uh, Dan Meyer's phone because that was that was a rough connection there. Um, but we will try and get Steve on here soon. He does a great job covering the Boston Bruins for a long, long time for the Boston Herald. Uh, and he was tweeting earlier. Uh, you can follow him at Conroy Herald. Uh, and by the way, this is a stretch around on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. And you can find Steve Conroy on Twitter at Conroy Herald. Uh, and he tweeted earlier that uh, Matt Bolesky, uh had to head for the dressing room after taking a puck over the eye. Uh, and as we heard, Tim Schaller had no updates on that yet. Uh, also, uh, Steve is tweeting two hours ago that uh, David Pasternak, no improvement from yesterday. So he's day-to-day per Claude Julian. Uh, Rask took a maintenance day. And Kevin Miller, the defenseman is not ready for game action, so we will not see him in there uh, tomorrow night against the Wild. Um, but I think we've uh, connected with uh, one Steve Conroy right now. We've got him. Yes, we do. Mr. Conroy, how are you? 
I'm doing well, Murph. How you doing? I, I hope you didn't disconnect be, uh, before I played the Pogues for you. No, I heard it. I heard the whole thing. I heard the whole intro from you and everything. Okay, good, I good. I guess you couldn't hear me. You were just on it, like I said, on the wrong side of the street, I guess. Or I, or we're <laughs> on the wrong side. But yeah. um, I saw your tweets there. Uh, any update on uh, Matt Bolesky? Uh No, actually, I think he just, he was okay. I mean, he was conversing with the, with the, the training staff when he okay. went off. I think he just went and got a, got a stitch or so. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he's a hockey player. He can tough it out. And how about David Pasternak? Uh, just day-to-day right now, but do we expect him in the lineup tomorrow? Uh, I think it's a coin flip. I don't know. I, uh, I was expecting to see him. Um uh, today, but yeah, he was not on the ice. Uh, Claude Julian said he didn't get any better from uh, from yesterday, so he's day to day. So we'll see. Interesting there, and uh, you said that Riley Nash uh, was in his spot on the, on that line, huh? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I don't expect you don't expect that to be the case in the game, though, do you? Well, if Pasternak is not available, I would I would assume that's the way they go. Really? Uh, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean they've. They really don't have any any more extra guys. Um, you know, the second line is starting to to gel a little bit, so you don't want to mess with that after they've had such a, a tough time getting it together. Um, and you know, uh, Riley Nash has played very well. I think uh, he's been he's been a very very good puck hunter. Um, been a done a great job uh, pulling pucks off the boards and, and winning battles with his stick. And so why not? I don't yeah. know who else you'd, you'd put there. Yeah, you know, I mean, and hey, Julian is known to reward guys for their hard work, and uh, maybe he will find himself there tomorrow. Uh, let's look right now, you know, the way things are going right now, obviously Tuka Rask is, is the difference. He's He's been huge for the Bruins, and there's no arguing that without him, uh, we're likely not talking about them being on the sunny side of the street. They're probably uh, sitting at the bottom of the standings uh, looking up at a lot of teams. But there's also has to be other things that are working there. And in your opinion, mm-hmm. besides Rask, what has been the biggest improvement as the season has gone on here? Well, I mean, they're skating very well. They're playing the game that they, that they I think they envisioned when they – you know, started the season. Uh, you know, the way they're moving the puck out of the zone, they're doing that a little bit better. They're probably a little more deliberate coming out of the zone than than what they may have envisioned. But but they're still doing a better job at that. Um, the only thing they're not doing a good job is just finishing. Um, you know, Rask has been terrific, and he's had to be terrific because they haven't had a a lot of he hasn't had a lot of run support, as they say. But he, um, you know, he's not he's not Stealing games for them, I would say, for the most part. Oh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, we were talking to Tim Schaller earlier uh, just about the improvement, and I've heard Tuka Rask mention it uh, a bunch of times, on on both, you know, all the players in front of him closing the gaps in the defensive zone and then also parting the ways when need be so they're not screening him. The communication seems to be much better out there, Steve. Yeah, it does, and I think you know. Frankly, I think Tuker is playing better. Uh, he's fighting through the screens better, um, and yeah, it's it's all it's all working hand in hand right now. Um, their PK has been better, um, and and yeah, there's there not a lot of bad goals this year, and there's some bad goals last year, and you know, once you let in a bad one, it it just it you know. Saps the energy of the entire team. 
We had this discussion yesterday, uh, Steve, with uh, Rich Seeley of, of the Manchester Monarchs, comes on our show once a week, um, and we're just discussing about, you know, when teams go out in the road, just my my view here from watching hockey over the years, and especially at the NHL level, they it seems to be that they're able to stay within their system, stay within their game plan, and execute it a lot better than when they're at home. And you know whether, you know who knows, maybe that's because when they're at home, they try to make that extra pass, or they try yeah. to get a little fancy. They want to impress the home. We don't know. We don't know. But you've seen that obviously a lot when you're. You're, what the Bruins have been under Claude Julian, and I, I feel like we're seeing it a lot more right now. Like this, they look like night and day again on the road compared to at home. Is there ever going to be a point where they figure out what that is and are able to apply it on home ice? Uh, yeah, I, like you know, like you said, they in, in these plays. I've always said when you're at home, you you try to put on a show, and and sometimes you've got the you've got the team to be able to do it, and. I don't think this team has has the team to, yeah. to, to put on a show, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean they were they've only played what six games at home now, is that right? right. Um, and they're what five hundred, right? A few of those, a few of those were, you know, a couple of those were um, with uh, you know Malcolm Subban and uh, having a rough game. Um, uh, they played the Canadians one game, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it how it plays out at home. They've got. A, they, you know, when they get a, a good long stretch at home, we'll get a better idea of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have to establish that. Yeah, that was that was their Achilles heel last year, um, and it cost them a, a playoff spot. You know, they turned in one of their home stinkers in the last last game of the season, and then they were out. Yeah, and and Steve, you know, one thing I think when they do come back home, let's say they they win the remainder here, they win outright on the road trip, and they come back home. Uh, there's going to be excitement around them, okay? And there's going to be the media is going to have a little more buzz. They're going to get a little more uh, love on the radio and, and in the news here. Um, we saw last year, uh, you know, I think it must have been probably, you know, mid uh, late January to mid-February, they were playing really well as the trade deadline approached. And you had people going out saying, hey, you know, they make the playoffs. You never know. They could be a cup contender. And people just getting completely ahead of themselves. And yeah. let's be real. I mean, you agree with me right now. This team, at least on the defensive end, is still what we thought they were. And if they have any chance of contending down the road, there's going to need to be additions. And that's when I worry that, you know, if they continue to play like this, right, and I'm not saying, I don't want to see this, but I'm just saying you, you hope that not management but ownership doesn't fall too much in love with the team and forces management to make a deal that maybe isn't necessarily what a team like this current Boston Bruins needs, but maybe a team that really is a contender. Do you worry about that happening with this organization right now? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I would not want to see them give up any, you know, real assets at the trade deadline. If that's what you're asking, you know, yeah. I don't want. I don't want Charlie McAvoy to go anywhere. I, I don't want um, uh, back or Carlson to go anywhere. Uh, don't want Zanishin to go anywhere at this point, um, or, or any of those young guys. Uh, maybe it take. It may take something if if you do move one of those assets. Uh, then it's it can't be for a rental. No, it's gotta it's gotta be for for 
a player that you're going to have for a while. A young player um, with term. Yeah. 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 And, and, but my thing, I guess what I'm asking more specifically is, we saw what we heard what Jeremy Jacobs said at media day, and I know it's his job to to pump up the team and put hopes high and and set the bar high. But at the same time, saying he expects that roster that started the the season, uh, you know, then to have a deep playoff run was completely unrealistic. And I fear that he's gonna he's gonna force Sweeney and Neely to do something like that, and he's he's gonna misunderstand that. Look. He's not going to pay attention to, to what's happening on the ice there in Providence and in Boston or even at the junior where these guys are progressing. They are developing. I mean, nobody saw Brandon Carlo having the start he's had. And, you know, to I, I just pray for the Bruins' sake, for the future of the organization, that they don't rush it. And I, I've got a f- strong feeling they will. Yeah, I don't know. I I know that a lot was made of uh, Jeremy Jacobs' comments before the season. I don't I don't put too much credence into okay. that comment because I you know listen. Ten months after he said Peter Shirelli was the was the best in the business, he got fired. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's right? not the so first time. Let's 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 take everything with a grain of salt, especially when it, when it happens on media day. You know, before the right before the season, and everybody's undefeated. Hey, speaking of defensemen and trades, uh, former Bruin, and it's not the first time, and I don't think it'll be the last. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's name is is being bantered about Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Nick Kiprios and Elliot Friedman saying that Pittsburgh they knew had inquired. Uh, I'm not sure if they named another team, but they said that Calgary was listening to offers. I had a Calgary source tell me today. Uh, that it's going to take a knock-your-socks-off type deal to make that happen for Dougie Hamilton to be moved out of Calgary. Uh, but the fact that his name is out there now, is that a, ref- uh, a poor reflection on him or a good reflection? Well, I'd have to say it's a, it's a poor one right now. He's, I mean, his minutes are going down. Um, he's been a disappointment at, the, at this point. Um, it'd be a quick hook, obviously, if, if they did move him at this point. Um, but you know, it's the, some of the same issues that he had here. You know, he, yeah, he's a, he's a terrific player from the offensive blue line in, or maybe from the from the red line into the the uh, <laughs> the offensive zone. But he, I mean, there's a level of I don't know if it's disinterest in becoming a really good defender, but he just hasn't become one. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I I think that you know. If this continues, I hope that some that were pretty harsh on Don Sweeney uh, and the Bruins for moving him uh, can start to admit, hey, maybe maybe they were right. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe they could have got a little more than draft picks and got a roster player. But I just think there was a lot to that that maybe the public and even us, the media, didn't know. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think that the players that they got were, um, was it Tanishan? Uh, was back at Carlson and Jeremy Lazon. Correct. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you, if you're the Bruins, you say, okay, we'll take Dougie back, but it's not so much a slam dunk anymore, is it? No, it's not. I, I, I mean, think that... Uh... Was back at Carlson, it looks like he could be ready as early as next year. Sanishin may be a dynamic guy. We don't know. We don't know about him, but he does have the speed uh, to make him very interesting. And Lazon, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. But it's not—it's not so much a slam dunk anymore that you would just you would flip that deal back. 
Hey, just keeping bouncing and talking around the league with some league news there. I don't know if you got a chance to see the highlights or see the uh, Canadians-Florida game last night and how the Panthers uh, won and Carey Price suffered his first loss. But my producer here, Sully, says, man, that's like the only way you're going to beat Carey Price is when a, a defenseman's stick breaks on the on the game-winning shot. Right. I just see it, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, oh, my gosh. Uh Talk about that, though, like right now, you know, my colleague and friend up in Montreal, Eric Engels, he's with Sportsnet now. Uh, He wrote a story yesterday, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I I think it's a valid point and is an argument to be made that um, Dominic Hasek and Carey Price are the most dominant goalies ever. I don't know if I'd go ever, but the what we've seen Carey Price do when he's healthy over the last three years – it's really been something, Stephen. I don't know if in your time covering the game you've seen anything else like it. And if so, was it Hashik? Uh, I don't know. There's a guy by the name of Marty Bordeaux who was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the team kind of built a, built a dynasty around him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, he never, and he never really got the credit for for it. Until, I mean, obviously he actually did get the, the, the credit that he – that he deserved, but it took a long time for him to get that 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 credit because it was there was a defensive system in front of him. Yeah. Um, but you know when when he left and when, when his game you know he gets hit a certain age and he wasn't the same guy. Funny thing happened, but the Devils weren't quite the same team, were they? No, they weren't. But man, they're all of a sudden uh, looking pretty good, though. Huh? I mean, they're, yeah. they're one yeah. of the pleasant surprises. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, about the, it looks like Taylor Hall's going to be out for a little while, which is too bad. Yeah, for sure. But we were talking about them earlier, and um, I think Ray Shiro and, and Tommy Fitzgerald, of course, a local guy here, uh, they've done a good job building that sure. team. And you look at uh, look at the young guys they have too coming up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it, it's going to be hard for the Bruins to make the playoffs because. Right now, it doesn't look like there are too many really bad teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the Islanders may be trending that way. Uh, who knows which way the, the Sabres go here. But, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of difficult teams. Even though the Bruins have beaten them twice and beaten them handily, Columbus is is a, is a bad, much better team than they were last year when they are basically out of it after the first couple of weeks. Right. And um, even a better team than when the Bruins beat them on opening night. I mean, look right. at how much they've improved in in such yeah. a short time. And, and you know something, as you're saying that, it's, Steve, I'm looking at the standings right now and, you, and the teams you're talking about, and I, I dare say, I don't want to tick off the national hockey pundits here, but as of now, the power's kind of shifted to the east. I mean, there's, there's definitely, as we speak, more better teams in the east. Yeah, pro- probably more better teams, but... Chicago Blackhawks are still in the West. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it, uh, you know I, I don't care. You know they didn't win the last year, so they do, right? Yep. No, I'm with you. <laughs> it's unreal how they do it. And uh, you know who's been out west too? The Winnipeg Jets, Steve. I've been watching them a lot. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. this kid Lane's unreal, but they're Sheffley's starting to bloom, and uh, they're starting to get a little goaltending from Hellebeck. So there's some teams that I think, like you said, all around that we didn't expect coming in. Uh, they're making a lot of noise right now, so it's it's good. It's definitely a good time to have the center ice package for sure. Yeah. Uh, Steve, listen, I hope you can find a, uh, a nice Irish pub in in St. Paul and, and listen to some <laughs> Pogues and uh, enjoy the trip out there, and uh, we'll see you around the rinks, all right? All right, Murph. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Steve Conroy, and we'll send this one out to him. He requested it last time. A pair of brown eyes from the Pogues here 
on the stretch run. I am Jimmy Murphy. That's Justin Sullivan. We're going to switch gears, talk some Boston Celtics in the next segment with Jeff Hickman, who also will follow up our show with the Celtics pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire. So stay tuned. We'll be back. To the stretch run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Our man Jeff Hickman of ESPN New Hampshire, and he'll be hosting the pregame show in about 10 minutes here on the station. Join us. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I'm sure that uh, Celtic Nation is uh, in a bit of panic mode at this moment, so I'm sure uh, I'll, I'll have plenty to discuss coming <laughs> and, and, up here. And quickly, if they want, and we've got 10 minutes left, you can call up... Uh, Little trivia, where was that intro song from? Play a little more of that there. Play a little more of that. And if you know I'm me, disappointed that I didn't get it. You, yeah, don't say it, though. I, I, I won't say a word. Yep, yep. won't say a word. But you are that age group that got the tail end of the series, as did I. Um, play it a little more, Sully. Play it again, Sam. For a minute, I thought it was Chips Patrol. but Oh, yeah. Chips was great. That was a great show. I always thought I was Ponch when I was from like five, age five to nine. I had my little motorcycle and everything. It's good stuff. So let us know. 603-883-9900. 603-883-9900. You'll win an ESPN t-shirt. Those beautiful old school 80s hint hint t-shirts uh, that we have here. Not sure if we'll have your size, but we'll try. But you can call up and it is... Uh, 603-883-9900. Uh, Bob Bard is texting me right now, but Bob, come on. You have a show and a podcast. You're on here all the time. You, you don't count. You can't. <laughs> That's not fair. You've got plenty of ESPN New Hampshire stuff, but uh, thank you for texting me, my man. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we are here to talk about the Celtics and uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, in town tonight uh, to take on the Jekyll and Hyde Boston Celtics. Uh, Jeff, I was just asking you, you, you like you like the line here, Celtics minus six? You're like, don't go near the Celtics. Yeah, I I mean, you just don't know to, what to expect on a night-to-night basis from these guys. And, you know, it's funny, but prior to the season, I think Patrick and I kind of alluded to this a little bit, me more so than him because he's an eternal optimist. Uh, but I, <laughs> I kind of— much of Celtics Nation. Yeah, I, agreed. I mean, I think a yeah. lot of—I'm uh, I'm like the king of the, the pessimists. Me too. You know, <laughs> I, I like to be— 
surprised by good play and they've they have surprised over the last couple of years of course they've also surprised in a negative way by losing in the first round of the playoffs two years in a row so I I think the the status of the team right now is sort of you know you're missing Jay Crowder you're missing Al Horford so maybe people can kind of look at it as well they've got some key injuries and maybe that's what's going on but their inability to defend the point guard or two guard position is a problem and frankly they're lackluster performance at the end of games it's all, it's all in their head it's, it's in all their in their head, head. and There's and again missing. i think you know isaiah thomas is a phenomenal player but he's got a broken finger or a couple of broken fingers or sore fingers or whatever he's got going on there um i think they're kind of in a bit of disarray they're trying to bring some players back kelly olenic trying to get back into the lineup and you know he was good those first couple of games and then he kind of tailed off and went haywire so they, they really have no continuity right now and i think that's a big problem yeah it's true and uh we were just discussing as well they haven't had al horford and yeah you're Obviously, I agree with you, too. I mean, yeah, injuries, there's no argument that hurts, but it, it, it's very much mental here. And, and speaking of mental, here's a guy that we don't know. He might be back tonight. He didn't rule it out. Um, but he's coming back from a concussion. He's had a concussion history. Uh, I, I would say, from my experience, uh, suffering two concussions in my life, uh, when you get back to no- normal or when you think you're back to normal and then you're not, it's frustrating, man, and and you don't know if that's going to happen with him. So even if he's back tonight, they can't have that false sense of comfort where they can say we can depend on the regular Al Horford to be out there because it's going to take an adjustment period, especially coming back from a concussion. No, and it, and it's you're certainly right, and I think that there is a lot of pain sort of amongst the uh, the fandom in Celtic Nation because I think a lot of people coming into this season said, you know, Al Horford, here's this, you know, all-star player, uh, but we haven't had a chance to to really see him play with the team. Yeah, it's tough. And uh, so we will see what happens here tonight. But uh, quickly, your take on the Dallas Mavericks, if you could, in a few words, what we uh, should look for from them. Uh, crap. That's that's <laughs> what you should look for. They're, they're terrible. They've really fall, fallen that far, huh? I, I don't think they're very good at all. All right. Well, we shall see if the Celtics can take advantage of another poor team here. Oh, we've got a few minutes, Justin's telling us. So why why are they crap? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Dirk Nowitzki's obviously reached uh, his peak uh, in terms of his age. And frankly, he hasn't been healthy either. Uh, You know, Harrison Barnes is a a good player and has been one of their most consistent players. But other than that, I mean, what do you have on that basketball team? You really don't have a, a good cohesive unit. Uh, and and I think Ellington's been hurt too, so they, they've they've had a lot of moving pieces. Not a great offensive team, not a great defensive team. I think they only have two wins on the season, if I'm correct. Uh, so they're they're not looking like the teams of the Dallas we Mavericks that we have seen yeah. in the last couple of years. Are they sort of maybe in that limbo period where they don't know how to move on? From they that, might be on ex- that phase. They might be an example of a team that held on to their stars too long, yeah, and that's what it seems. Like. I, I think they should have made a move a while back. All right. Well, we'll see what happens tonight on. The, the parquet there at TD Garden, Celtics and Mavericks. Pre-game show coming right up with your man right here, Jeff Hickman. I want to thank all our guests for joining us here today. Uh, Sully for doing a great job on the boards. And for the Bruins not alerting us that it was Tim uh, Schaller's birthday. Yeah, thanks uh, for the thanks, heads up. Thanks for the heads up. No, but thanks for them for the last minute uh, interview there we got with uh, Nashua native Tim Schaller. And Tim, 
Uh, we know you're probably not listening, but I'm sure some of his family members are. Happy birthday to you and keep up the great work with the Bruins. This has been another edition of the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Talk to you tomorrow. Two. Two. Now you're gonna give this guy one? Yeah, no, it's just and this guy. Yeah, this guy's really bad. Josh Brown's ex-wife told police of over 20 physically violent yes. instances. Police were called on multiple occasions to the Browns' residence in Washington State, St. Louis, and New Jersey over the years. Ooh, three states, come on. Weekdays, noon to three on ESPN New Hampshire Radio and streaming live on ESPN NH Radio.